You're listening to episode number 256, and today we're talking about men's libido and men's sexual wellness. Yes, this one's for the men. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well-lived. Welcome back to the summer podcast series called The Sex Talk. Of course, this is housed on Made for Living Well, which is really the place that I believe you are made for health. It's inside of you, which is exactly what I believe about libido and sexual wellness. It's not something we have to chase down, but learn to nourish and foster in our own life. And changing these norms and the story that we've created in the health space is why I'm so passionate about talking about sexual health and sexual wellness a subject I never thought I'd talk about, especially not men's health, to men, but it's time to change the story. So today we're going to go there to the deep places of men's health and talk about some very vulnerable ideas. Now, later in the series, I'm gonna be interviewing a few different males to also talk about men's health. So men, if you're listening to this, trust me, I know it's going to be a little bit more awkward coming from a female, But I do want to open the door to what you'll learn later and start to share new ideas and interesting facts and really just ways to boost your sexual wellness. I've also created a free guide that might be helpful for you that's over at thelivingwell.com and it's the sexual wellness guide and there's one for men and one for women. So you can head on over to thelivingwell.com, grab that download and check it out for yourself. I think you might find some interesting facts over there that will be helpful as you move forward and healthify the whole of who you are. Now, like I said, today is a solo show where we're going to dive into men's libido. If you have any questions along the way, make sure you reach out to me or share them in a comment or send me a DM on social media. I really do wanna make this series the most valuable and informational that it can be while also spurring you into action. So again, you can find more about today's show at thelivingwell.com and also share it with your friends and family. I know that can be a little bit awkward, but it's totally worth it because we're talking about subjects and topics that most people have questions about, but rarely ask. So be the brave one, share this with your friends and family, and of course, hit subscribe wherever you're listening to stay up to date on the latest content. Now, before we dive into today's show, I do want to remind you about the summer podcast sponsor, Athletic Greens. I'm going to be sharing more about Athletic Greens, but I do want you to know that it is a game changer in your sexual wellness. Men especially tend to not nutrify their bodies in quite the same way that women do. And while you might not see the external results that a woman would or the external uh, consequences of that, we really are starting to understand that men are having a big hormonal shift when their bodies don't have the energy or the nutrients that they need. And that relates to ejaculatory health and also your ability to perform. Now, I know you're wondering, what does this have to do with Athletic Greens? Well, Athletic Greens is one simple way to give your body a boost of 75 different vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that your body truly needs to thrive. It's one scoop once daily that you can really take any time of the day that is really going to flood your body with energy, and it's going to boost all your hormones, including your sexual ones. 
Now, Athletic Greens has made it easy to get started. Just head over to athleticgreens.com backslash made for living. Plus, they're going to give you a few free gifts, including a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. I really encourage you try it out for 30 days because it could be exactly what your body needs to make the shift. Now, let's learn more about men's health, and then maybe you'll be a little bit more interested in diving into that product and also making some intentional shifts in your life to feel better overall. So let's get right to today's podcast on men's libido and sexual health. Okay, today we're talking all about men's libido. Now, I have thought long and hard about why it's appropriate for a female to talk about men's libido when obviously I have zero experience personally of what this looks like. But I want to inform you, I have done a ton of research about it, and I do have some males coming on the podcast to talk more specifically about male's libido and some of the issues that we're going to talk about here today, like the use of pornography and how that's influencing your entire hormonal spectrum and really negatively influencing your hormonal health. So I do want to just give that disclaimer. Like, I totally get it if you don't want to listen to a female talk about your sex drive, but I also want you to know that the reason I'm recording this podcast is because I think we have a lot of this libido information and sexual wellness ideas backwards. And while it's equally important for you to understand the female counterpart, it's equally important that females understand the male because there's a lot of misconceptions about men specifically related to sexual wellness that I really just want to clear the air today because I think that you've been unfairly labeled when it comes to sexual desire and libido and kind of how you work. Now, again, I want to take all of this information with a grain of salt because we're all different. And while the research is for the averages, we have to know everything in health is always about you individually. So I'm just going to share some information, kind of flip the script on men's libido and help you to understand yourself and your body in a lot of ways. Now, last week we dove into the women's libido, which I wanted to make clear in that podcast, and I'm going to make clear again here, that men and women do not have a a massive difference in their desire to be sexually active and their drive for sexual wellness. In fact, we're more similar than we are different. However, it appears different because of our cyclical changes that happen hormonally. So women are going to experience more naturally highs where their libido might seem excessively higher than a man's, but then they're going to go through periods where it might drop and feel like it's maybe non-existent for a period of time. And this could be due to just the natural cyclical nature of their menstrual cycle. The ideal goal, though, is to help a woman regulate her hormones so it's a little bit more even across the board. But naturally, women are going to have a monthly change in their libido that has to do with the four phases of their cycle. Men, on the other hand, tend to run more off of a 24-hour cycle for your hormones, and so you're not going to notice quite the change in your libido. It's going to be a little bit more consistent, so it's going to feel more even, which makes it seem like a man has a higher libido. But the reality is, and maybe the first myth that we need to break, is that men generally, in the research at least, are not thinking about sex and sexual activity at all hours throughout the day. 
Proportionately, you probably think about it more than women. But again, I think that's just a difference in what you're thinking about and how that's been classified in the research. It goes back to our drive and our desire and what peaks that desire is very different for men and women. Women tend to have more of an emotional and sensory-driven libido, where men tend to have more of a visual or psychological kind of desire, where you can think about things and you can look at things, and that gives your arousal, where women need more of that drive for complete connection and love, and maybe not quite as visual, but definitely more sensual, meaning physical touch, and those kind of things actually enhance a libido more drastically than just thinking about it. So naturally, when we see the research on men thinking about sex weight more often than women, again, I think the research is just unfair in saying that just because women don't think about it doesn't make desire sex any less than a man. It's just a difference in how our libido works. Like I mentioned with the women's last week is a woman's libido is not about giving. It's actually about receiving. And a man's libido is not about receiving. It's about giving. And that's a really big shift from the cultural norm that we're experiencing, that it's always about the man's pleasure, that the goal should be the climax for the male. But the reality is, is that the physical health benefits from sexual wellness and from the act of having sex actually comes in the buildup. It doesn't happen in the climax, and we're going to learn in just a little bit, climaxing too often or ejaculating too often is actually going to have a massive detrimental effect on your total health and well-being, mind, body, and soul. And the reality is, is that's because you as a male are designed and find the most benefit in the act of giving pleasure to someone else and the act of connecting with someone else. It doesn't just have to be about sex. In fact, libido isn't just about sex. Sex is just one part of libido. A man's libido is built for giving. And I think this is really fascinating because if we look at the act of what even sexual intercourse and how it's designed, right? The man ejaculates inside of a female and all species for reproduction. And it's the act of giving to the female where she has to be open to receiving that. Now, I won't talk much more about that because you can go back to the last podcast and dive into that, but I do want to clarify that right off the bat. I think one of the biggest detriments to our sexual dysfunction in in the world is that we've twisted libido and sexual desire in men to be all about one, sex, which it is not, and two, about the act of receiving which is never going to quite satisfy a man because your intended design is actually in the act of giving. And that's why men can actually find more benefit or just as many benefit by something called semen retention, by a a lack of ejaculation. There's not a ton of research, but there's a, a lot of ideas and philosophies around semen retention and how beneficial it is to a man's physiology, to a man's psychology, and, and the whole of who they are. We're going to talk all about that in today's episode, but I do want to circle back to libido because it's a funny thing in general, and I think we often just think our libido is our sexual desire, like our drive for sex. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this entire sexual wellness talk this summer was to open our eyes to recognize that our sexual wellness is not just about the physical act of sex, but it is this mind-body-soul connection and the connection to other beings that really healthifies the whole of who we are. 
And sex is so much bigger than just a physical act, but it's it's a way of life. And I don't want that to sound too cheesy or out there, but for a man, it's about finding pleasure and connection with another and giving pleasure to someone else. But it's also about your purpose and finding your place in life. It's about confident and feeling good in who you are. In fact, confidence comes directly from the overall health of your sexual being. I think we believe that we can just make ourselves believe to be more confident, but it really just comes in this connection out of the whole of who you are. And and surprisingly enough, men struggle with confident issues just as much, if not more than women. Again, it just looks different. But if we circle back to libido, libido is not synonymous for sex drive. Like they're not one in the same. It's not how often or strongly you want sex, but it's actually a term that was coined by Sigmund Freud that defined an energy driven from an individual's sexual and survival instincts. Again, if we look directly at our libido, it is this idea that it's this all-encompassing energy that you have inside of your body. And how you channel that energy is going to basically become your libido. With a lack of energy, your libido tanks, but with an abundance of energy, your libido spikes. And you can use your libido, yes, to have great sex, but it's also the force of your instincts, your actions, and your motivations. And it's what really gives you purpose and that confidence to live out that purpose. This is a really big conversation because, again, I think that we've wrapped up sexual desire and wellness into this topic of libido, and we've made it become something that it is not. And therefore, men internally feel like on some level, maybe that they're failing, and they go to outside sources to find answers that are incredibly false to how their body was actually designed. And when we start to play that game, we start to become culturally in tune to the very produced ideas of sexual wellness and sexual health and what that looks like. And we get into topics like pornography and masturbation and and frequent ejaculation, and we start to wonder, why do we have so many problems in the world? And again, I think it's linked to this disconnect between what is a man and a woman's libido, what drives those things, and how do they healthify the whole of who we are? And chasing them in mythical ideas is actually only making our problems worse. So I don't want you to think of libido as your tool to have more sex, but as sex just being one of the many facets of your libido. Like we mentioned, your libido essentially is another vital sign. It's a sign that helps you to recognize how balanced or out of balance your body is. Because in order to have a libido, in order to have this energy and this motivation and this desire and drive to live life and connect with other people can only be done when we're in a healthy or considered somewhat of a balanced state. When our body is out of balance, we'll see our libido tank. That's why some of the biggest influencers and squashing libido, especially when we talk about it in men, is going to be stress on all levels, exhaustion or a lack of sleep, and then what some people would call stimulants or depressants, the use of either excessive amounts of caffeine 
or alcohol or marijuana, that's either going to push your body onto this artificial high or bring it down to a lower level that might help you relax. But we have to know in these artificial relaxants, you're also going to relax your ability to achieve an erection, to achieve um, healthy sexual function as it relates to the act of sex. So really, your libido is about establishing a healthy balance of energy inside of your body, which is the absolute key in the overall functioning of your health. And as I mentioned, motivation and productivity is going to be a massive player in using your sexual wellness to have more drive and desire and motivation to get out and do the things that you want to do and the things that you were designed to do. Now, of course, this topic is really important because in our world today, we are seeing sexual dysfunction increase in percentages that are outlandish. Like we are seeing a massive rise in sexual dysfunction and even testosterone issues. I mean, there's current research that shows that low testosterone has increased significantly over the last 20 years, equating to a 20% decline since 2000. That means a 22-year-old man today has the average testosterone level of a 67-year-old man in 2000. And on average, they continue to decline at about a 1% rate every year. And there's other research, including a clinical report published in Behavior Sciences, that has shown that there's been a sharp increase in the prevalence of sexual dysfunction in men under 40 since the start of, quote-unquote, porn tube sites that allow wide access to sexually explicit videos. And in the early 2000s, about 2% of European men under the age of 40 experienced erectile dysfunction. And by 2011, those rates had increased by 14 to 28%. Another study out of Canada produced a a report that showed in over 12,000 adolescent males, they reported that 53% of those males between the ages of 16 and 21 had symptoms of sexual dysfunction, with erectile dysfunction being the most common. And the last study um, is an older one, but it was published in 1992, and and it would be alarmed to know the research today. But a study found a global 50% decline in sperm counts in men over the previous 60 years. I mean, that's not information to take lightly. And I know a lot of people are throwing that out there and we're tossing it around and, and we're starting to wonder why. And I think one of the leading reasons why we see statistics like this is because we're living in an over-sexualized world. And what's fascinating about living in an over-sexualized world is that you would think that people would be more sexually active. They would have higher sexual wellness IQs. Um, But what they're really finding is it's actually having the opposite impact. The more sexualized our world has become, the more people who struggle with sexual dysfunction and a lack of sexual drive and a lack of drive in anything because sexual drive is directly related to our drive for life. And so when we have a low libido or low sex drive, that correlates automatically to a lower drive and motivation to do things with your life. And I think what it shows at the end of the day is that men need to prioritize sexual health just as much, if not more than women do. Because as Napoleon Hill states, sexual energy is men's life force. And that life force is going to be built in the connection, not the climax, that sends the most health and happy boosting hormones throughout the body. Men, it's all about the buildup for you. 
Which brings me to the second myth that I want to break and help give you some practical ideas on how to make this better. And that myth is, is the goal is climax and ejaculation, which as I mentioned multiple times, it is absolutely not. For men, it's all about the buildup and it's enjoying the act of connecting that's actually releasing the hormones that are going to bring the satisfactory endpoint to view. Now, I think the best way to start to understand this is to really understand how an erection and how arousal works. Because more than a hormonal uh, act, an erection and arousal is actually a nervous system response. And this is really important to note because it really truly is this balance in your parasympathetic, which is your rest and digest state, and your sympathetic, which is your fight and flight state. And, and it takes both in order to reach an erection and also to ejaculate. But truly to reach an erection and to have a sense of arousal, your body has to start relaxing. It has to get into more of this euphoric state, which is not a fantasy land, but it's truly just a relaxant state that's a shift in your nervous system pattern that comes from a sense of safety, a lack of stress, a lack of presentness, um, and also from connection. And so once your body is able to enter into that state, a sexual arousal can take place. We're going to talk about desire and pleasure in a completely different podcast, but desire and sexual arousal are two completely different things. In fact, it's often sexual arousal that creates desire, not the other way around. So you have some sort of sexual arousal, which can cause different forms of erections, which we'll talk about in a second, and that sends nerve messages that begin to stimulate the penis. And once these impulses from the brain and the local nerves cause the muscles of what's called the coropa cavernosa of the penis is one of the pair of sponge-like regions of erectile tissue, which will be filled with blood in the penis during the erection. And this allows blood to flow in and fill the open spaces, and the blood creates pressure, which makes the penis expand, creating the erection. And that's essentially how it works. It's an arousal. Now, yes, we can talk about testosterone and estrogen, which are very needed in the sense of sexual arousal and erection. Of course, yes, testosterone and even estrogen are needed to achieve and maintain an erection. Really, truly, an erection is coming from a sexual arousal driven by the nervous system. Now, that's important to note because there are three different types of erections in men, and they all are actually quite different and can cause different problems in a male. The first one is called the nocturnal erection, which is most often known as, quote unquote, morning wood, which happens when a man wakes up or as they're sleeping. And, and generally, again, this is just an act of a man reaching a really deep REM sleep, which pushes their body into that parasympathetic state which relaxes the body and stimulates that erection. Now, research doesn't really understand why this happens, although there are some theories that one, an erection is nothing more than a muscle response, right? A, a massive rush of blood flow that stimulates muscles and therefore, like any muscle, needs to be worked in order to be maintained. So it's this kind of daily working out of that muscle without you having to do anything that really creates that health of that area. There are some other ideas out there, of course, but um, we're really just going with the fact that this is a very natural and daily way of determining 
how healthy your body is. Because a morning erection is going to stimulate that you've reached deep sleep, that maybe your hormones and your body is functioning as it should. Now, I will say that there is a percentage of men who have never experienced nocturnal erection before. And if you've never experienced that and yet you still maintain a healthy erection otherwise, it's definitely no need for concern. However, you can use this as a good judge, just like women can use their period or menstrual cycle as a good judge of overall health to recognize like, hey, you're going through a period of time where you once had a nocturnal erection every day and now you're going spans of days, if not weeks without having one, that is cause for concern or kind of that temperature of the body to recognize, okay, there's something going on, something's out of balance. So you have the nocturnal erection, you have one that's called reflexogenic erection, which is a stimulus to the organs, which is going to come from touch. And then you also have a psychogenic or psychological erection, which is going to happen more from your thoughts about thinking about things. Now, most people struggle the most with a psychogenic erection. And now, yes, there is an aspect that there's multiple types, right? You have a psychogenic and a reflexogenic erection happening at the same time. But again, a lot of struggles are going to come in in the psychogenic erection, which just signifies that men are too stressed or depressed or in their heads and not able to have a true erection. And really, this is where men struggle the most. And in fact, we're gonna get into another myth later that men don't struggle with shame or confidence, which is untrue. In fact, men proportionately have more sexual shame and sexual um, insecurities than women do. And I think this is one of the leading reasons of sexual dysfunction is just this this lack of security within themselves and within um, the act of sexual wellness within a lack of of safety in their life that prevents healthy sexual function from happening. Now, again, those are the three forms of erections. I think, again, if we just lay out how your body works, it's kind of just cool to understand that an erection is a very normal and healthy part of a male's physiology, and it's a really great indicator of your overall health. And I think understanding, like, can you have healthy erections or maybe you're struggling in this area, we can start to pinpoint, okay, an erection is mostly related to my nervous system. Yes, there's a hormone component and we can talk about low testosterone and some of those other issues. But again, it's mostly a nervous system response, which means it's mostly a messaging pattern inside of your brain that's distinguishing whether you're in the parasympathetic state or the sympathetic state. And when we look at libido across the board, men or women, the number one thing that's crushing libido is stress because stress keeps us in a sympathetic state, which makes it almost impossible to achieve and maintain an erection and if anything, to have a healthy sexual desire. And it's stress, of course, that's going to plummet energy and all of the other things that make this really difficult. But some of the other things that are influencing, again, are parasympathetic and sympathetic states, which are influencing your libido the most, are going to be stress, sleep patterns, men, you need enough good sleep, and then, of course, those stimulants or substances that are either going to stimulate or suppress your body when we talk about, you know, um, drugs and alcohol, even caffeine falls into those categories, Now, men tend to uh, use those substances 
maybe a little bit more often proportionately or statistically than women do. And I think it's really interesting to note that men also tend to have more sexual dysfunction issues than women do as well. So it's just something to pay attention to. And when we talk about healthifying your libido, I think it's really important to note that some of the best ways to enhance your libido, to enhance your sexual drive and wellness and your life force is to decrease the amount of alcohol you're consuming, to decrease the amount of of artificial drugs, whether it's even Advil and Tylenol and and caffeine, but also to decrease the amount of stress, which means for men, that's going to come back in the form of doing things you enjoy, getting outside. All of those things can boost your testosterone, boost your dopamine, which is going to boost your oxytocin and create this drive and this desire and increase your arousal and cause this cascade of healthy benefits inside of your system. For men, a lot of these healthy hormones are released during the act, during the giving of this, including the dopamine and the endorphins and oxytocin and nitric oxide. All of those are going to be released during. Now, yes, there's another rush of hormones that happens with ejaculation, but as soon as a man ejaculates, it tends to plummet rather quickly and to the opposite direction, where you have this massive decline in testosterone and you release some prolactin and other hormones that's actually going to make you feel more exhausted. And it tends to make men want to pull away, kind of escape, or even fall asleep. Now, there are health benefits, of course, to ejaculating. Like men were designed to ejaculate. It can increase your connection and your overall mental well-being. However, there is concern with frequent ejaculation because like everything in the body, when you take it to the extreme, it has damaging effects. And we're living in a day and age, especially in the pornography world, where men tend to be ejaculating frequently, even too frequently. What happens when you do this is you cause your body to enter into a a state of extreme fatigue. And I think this is where we see the cycle of addiction start because a lot of addictions happen because of a lack of energy inside the body. You're lacking energy, and what happens with something like a drug, like pornography or alcohol or whatever it is that you're using, you get this rush of adrenaline that comes from it, and that rush of adrenaline makes you get a strong desire to do it, and then you go through this whole process where you have this flood of hormones and this flood of a reward system, but unlike the connection hormones that you get from the physical act of sex, just quickly ejaculating causes this massive decline in testosterone and other hormones and an increase in prolactin, which is going to make you really drowsy, and it's going to accentuate the cycle. So research has found that frequent ejaculation has the opposite health benefits of occasional ejaculation. Occasional ejaculation is really great for a man. It's the intended design of the man's body. However, we have to be careful or you have to be careful because frequently ejaculating, and we're going to talk about that frequency in a minute, is causing a lot of concern for the male body. And there's some research that links this back to the lack of testosterone or the significant decline in testosterone in the male's body. 
Now, of course, there's other issues going on and why we have lower test or why we're seeing lower testosterone in men. Some of it has to do with trauma. Some of it has to do with toxins in our body. Um, some people link it to cell phones, but there is a strong linkage to over ejaculation, especially outside of the physical connection with another human being that is causing a significant change in hormonal flow. And I think it's really, really interesting when you look at the research to say that all ejaculation is not equated to the same thing. The act of physical sex with another being releases far more harmonious hormones, far more hormones and a harmonious effort that have a wide range of lasting effects inside of the body. Whereas sexual desire outside of the connection with another human doesn't have the same benefits. It's not releasing the same hormones and therefore it's causing more of a disruption in hormones long-term. And I think there's why there's a lack of satisfaction in that area is because sexual intimacy is about the connection and that's where we're gonna find the satisfaction. So yes, you need to be ejaculating, but you should not be over-ejaculating. And what does over-ejaculation look like? Well, there's some interesting philosophies out there on what's the average or the healthiest amount of ejaculation a man should achieve within a set number of days. Now, honestly, there's a lot of different opinions about this and viewpoints, and yes, this is rather controversial. But there are some ideas on how many days you should go in between points of ejaculation. Now, inside the Sexual Wellness Guide for Men, I give you a little equation that's pretty easy to follow. The younger you are and the healthier you are, the more often you can ejaculate. So a man in his 20s can ejaculate every day and really not experience any negative results from that. As you age, the length of time in between should get a little bit longer. There's also another equation that takes your age minus four divided by seven, and that gives you the average length of time in between points of ejaculation. Now, there are other people who assume that it's not just the length of days, but it's number of sexual encounters. So say if your uh, equation brought up the number two, then it's you want to wait to ejaculate every other time you have sex. Again, there's a lot of ideas, but the big idea is that you don't just continuously ejaculate all the time without experiencing some sort of negative consequence to that. Now, you might be thinking days, like, hold up. I don't know what this is like for a man, but I think we have, again, in our idea that men should just consistently ejaculate, that's the goal. That's absolutely not the goal inside the body. And, and, and in fact, you're going to see a lot more health benefits if you ejaculate less. Yes, I'm saying Healthy sexual wellness and creating a healthier libido is all about, for a man, giving more and ejaculating less. I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute. What I want to be clear about, though, is that this does not say you should have less sex. You should have more frequent sex, but more infrequent ejaculation, which means, hold up, here's the deal. You can have sex without ejaculating. I know. I know this is a big, big thought, right? Because it's so culturally opposite of what we've been taught, that the goal should be for the man to ejaculate. But the research is going to show the opposite. Over-ejaculation is causing so much damage. And an over-ejaculation for a lot of men is doing it even once a day. 
Now, can you go through seasons where you do that? Of course. But we have to be clear that over-ejaculating is causing a massive decline in energy. Like, it takes work for your body to produce semen and sperm. In fact, when we look at the lifespan of sperm, it takes roughly 64 days for sperm to mature to the point where your body will release it. And in the process of that 64 days, it takes nutrients and energy, which means, yes, your semen is also an energy boost to a female. It's also why females tend to become addicted to their partners is because also of the energy rush that they get, they receive from that. But you have to know a man is giving that. When you're ejaculating, you're automatically releasing estrogen and you're automatically releasing nutrients and testosterone is going to plummet on the backside of that because of the plummet in energy. So there's this idea of something called semen retention. And it's not been um, wildly studied, but there's quite a bit of chatter in the health space about this idea of semen retention. And this might be a new topic for a lot of males that are listening, but semen retention is essentially the idea that you are going to participate in the act of sex, but you are going to withstand from ejaculating. So you're going to have sex, but before you feel the need or the urge to ejaculate, before you get to that point, you're going to stop. You can practice the art of edging, which means you're going to stop and then you can start again when you feel like you can control it. But the end goal is, is that you would learn, you would have the self-control to have sex and not ejaculate. And you might think, well, what's the point? But I'm here to tell you there's tons of health benefits from learning this practice. In fact, if you can get outside of the moment of what I'm sure you feel like is, you know, a lack of satisfaction, it's actually going to increase your desire, your motivation, your sexual pleasure. It's going to make it feel better in the act of leading up to ejaculation because I think a lot of men just live for that quick release at the end, which takes For men, an orgasm takes roughly 10 to 15 seconds, which really is not that long. But when you start to do semen retention, what happens or uh, you stop yourself from ejaculating or you learn or you work on the, the act of edging is that you're actually going to increase the pleasure that you're going to receive in the buildup. And I think that's what you need to focus on is the buildup. But also, not ejaculating or semen retention is also going to increase your mental and physical health. It's been shown to release more endorphins, to make men happier, more confident and controlled. There's some studies that show decrease in anxiety and depression, better memory concentration and cognitive function, an increase in muscle growth, thicker hair, improved sperm quality. I mean, if you're trying to conceive or having fertility issues, men, you must know that Frequent ejaculating is causing a massive decline in sperm quality and counts. Take 64 days for your body to fully mature sperm. So you need to pay attention to this. If you're trying to conceive, one of the best forms or one of the best ways that you can boost your fertility is to stop ejaculating all the time. But some other functions is it's going to improve sexual stamina allow men to experience full body orgasms. It's going to make it incredibly pleasurable when you do ejaculate, increase testosterone. In fact, testosterone levels increase by 150% from your baseline after seven days of semen retention. It's going to increase athletic performance, performance at work. It's going to increase your ability to relate and to communicate. And it's going to increase your pleasure and your outlook for life. 
I mean, there is a lot of known benefits to semen retention. Now, I'm not saying that you should, you know, like if you did the equation, you're like, oh my gosh, I should only ejaculate every nine days. Here's what I want you to think about. There's a lot of health benefits to not ejaculating all the time. What you should be focusing on is the buildup, not the climax. And so if you feel like you're ejaculating every time you have sexual intercourse, then I want you to think about how can I take some breaks in between there? How can I just give to my spouse and pleasure her and find the benefit from that? And then, you know, kind of build yourself up to the point where you can go longer periods of time without ejaculating. And here's the deal. Look it up. Study the research. Start to understand this. Like these are health practices that have been around for centuries. And in fact, some of the most successful people in the world, even athletes, understand that ejaculation is going to significantly decrease performance. Bodybuilders know that ejaculation is going to significantly decrease testosterone levels and their the look of their body. Over-ejaculation is also going to cause more of an estrogen dominance, not necessarily because you have more estrogen, but because your testosterone has plummeted to the point where you're now out of balance, and it's going to lead to an increase in belly fat, an increase in weight around your hips and in your breast area. So there's a lot of concern with over-ejaculation, and I think that there's a lot of power in learning semen retention. Plus, it's a great form of discipline and self-control. And really, if I had to say anything, like the body, it's all about balance. Ejaculation is a balance. Yes, you need to ejaculate for health benefits, but if you're overdoing it, it's also going to be just as detrimental as not doing it at all. So the goal is going to be having sex frequently, but ejaculating infrequently. And when we look at frequent ejaculation, I think we can't not talk about porn. And again, I, my husband warned me, I am not the best person to talk to men about porn use. So we're going to have another expert that's going to come on and talk about our brain under porn and what happens inside of our body. But we can't just justify the myth that porn causes no harm. Porn is absolutely causing a mass disruption in our body. Remember, men are more visual and psychological in nature when it comes to libido, which means viewing images is a stimulant to men. Now, viewing images repetitively that are maybe outside of the practicality of how sexual intercourse actually is lived out makes your ability to achieve and maintain an erection almost impossible. Men who stimulate themselves consistently, just like women who stimulate themselves consistently or with a vibrator use, find it really hard to find the same pleasure from another human, from sexual intercourse or from another human pleasuring them because it's not the same pressure, it's not the same rate, and there's not the same stimulus that's happening. So when we live in this over-stimulated world and we're seeing images that are out there, not realistic, our mind starts to kind of shift outside of the reality into this fantasy world, and it makes it very, very difficult for anyone, even yourself, to find satisfaction in that area. So there's a lot of reasons why pornography is affecting our brains, and it's making it hard to find the same satisfaction within our own sex lives. But also, it's completely disrupting your hormonal flow. Because as I mentioned, there's a very big difference between sex with someone else in relation and connection versus 
pleasuring yourself. There is not the same cascade of hormones, which is going to make it more of a roller coaster ride. And what we see is a significant decline in testosterone. Surprise, why testosterone levels have decreased and sexual function have increased in the younger populations. And it's caused a lot of unnecessary addictions. So we need to really be careful about porn use because it really is harming our health. What we look at is influencing our sexual well-being. And if we go into myth number four, that men are completely confident in sexual health, it is absolutely untrue. And I think one of the reasons men struggle so much with confidence as it relates to sexuality is because they're seeing unrealistic ideas and images of sexual acts. The porn industry has produced such an unrealistic view of what humans look like that it has made everyone lack of confidence. Even if you haven't looked at pornography, we are still culturally influenced by the pornography industry. We all have ideals in our head of what we think we should look like, how big we think our erection should be, what we think is going to stimulate pleasure in someone else, and they're really all backwards in nature. And so, yes, I think this has led to a lot of men carrying around a lot of sexual shame and guilt and a lack of confidence. And what happens when men get inside of their heads is that their sympathetic mode increases and their parasympathetic mode decreases, meaning their stress levels elevate, decreasing the blood flow to body parts that are necessary for sexual function. So it makes sexual dysfunction rise significantly. Men, I think you need to start making peace with some of the lies that you've believed about sexual health, about your body and what it should look like. And honestly, when we start to talk about pleasure, it's fascinating that the research has shown that there's really no significant change in pleasure based on the size and girth of an erect penis. In fact, when studied the most sales for different vibrator use, you know, men often associated that with a larger external device that women were purchasing. But in fact, women often opted for the smaller device that they found more pleasure in the smaller thing. And so this idea and this cultural thought and this over-sexualized world that we live in, that the bigger is the better, is actually not always true. In fact, it could quite be the opposite. Bigger could be worse for a female and de- decrease pleasure. The same for a ma- man. So men tend to carry just as much, if not more, shame and insecurity in the bedroom, which is making sexual arousal more difficult, especially in the presence of another person. And I think this is work that has to be done because when you're feeling insecure around someone else, it makes it feel safer to look at an image on a screen and to uh, pleasure yourself. I understand that in a sense of safety. Like I get where that's coming from because it feels scary. But this is not having the same effect. And in fact, it's only making the shame and guilt worse. So I think this is work that needs to be done. Earlier this spring, when I put out a survey about topics, uh, surprisingly, uh, understanding sexual shame and trauma was not a topic that anyone placed, even though I kind of put it in throughout the survey, hoping and thinking that a lot of people wanted to learn about that. No one did. And I think on some levels, our sexual shame, especially for men, is so buried deep within us that we don't want to bring it up because how shameful is that? 
But I'm going to encourage you that there is going to be an expert coming on the show that's going to talk about sexual shame and insecurity and how to start dealing with that and building more confidence. Listen to it. It is not just for the females. This is for you men because you're struggling with this even more than your female counterparts. And the last thing that I want to say is that I think a lot of times men think they just need to boost their testosterone and that their hormones are just about their sexual activity, which is incredibly false. As I mentioned, sexual activity is mostly about the nervous system. Your your hormonal flow is actually about how you feel and how you connect with the world and people around you. It's about your desire and your drive for life. So hormones are more linked maybe to your libido, where the nervous system is more linked to sexual activity. I don't want that to be confusing because they're all obviously linked together. But when we talk about hormones and, you know, men thinking, oh, I just, I have so much testosterone and that's going to make me increase my sex drive and my sperm quality. And and that's not the full picture. (laughs) And so don't stop there. In fact, some men who have more testosterone than they think or take external testosterone is actually causing a massive plummet in their overall hormone function and sexual function. In fact, injectable testosterone and testosterone therapies has shown a significant decrease in overall sexual function, but it shows an increased drive and desire and outlook for life. So when we talk about mood and drive and desire, we can see that boosting testosterone actually helps those things more than it does your sexual activity. So I don't want you to get that mixed up. Sex is not just about your testosterone levels. In fact, Uh, That's just one small component of it. Sex, sexual activity is about your nervous system. But we can't neglect male hormones because how your hormones are working is how you're going to show up in life. If you're not feeling happy, if you're feeling like you have no drive and no motivation and no energy, that is a sign your hormones are out of whack and they need some attention. Over on the blog, I'm going to link some hormone Um, libido boosters for men and some things that are killing your libido. And a lot of those things are there to boost your hormonal flow or to re-regulate your hormonal flow. But when we talk about healthy hormones, a lot of this is going to come back from to lifestyle and diet, just like for females. How are we living? Yes, stress is going to be the number one influencer in an out-of-balanced hormonal flow because stress is actually going to steal some of your sex hormones, specifically your progesterone, which helps your body to relax. Yes, men have progesterone and need progesterone to help them relax and to show up in life and take those ingredients and produce it to make cortisol. So stress is a big factor. Alcohol is a big factor, but so is the food that you eat. So is the lifestyle that you live and how much sleep you get and how much confidence you have and how you relate to people around you. And so some of the things that you can do to help your hormones and your libido is to boost your energy in any way possible. And for men, a lot of times this means movement, eating better, um, being outside in nature, balancing your masculine energy with your feminine energy, which we're going to talk about in the pleasure component. And for men, that often means doing more, quote unquote, masculine activities. They've shown that loud noises like revving of a motorcycle, a chainsaw, a lawnmower, heavy equipment, all of those things can actually boost testosterone. Getting your hands dirty, like the act of physical work boosts testosterone. And if you sit at a desk job all day, you've got to be active or a proponent in getting yourself physically active outdoors. 
um, manage stress, and focus on intimacy and connections outside the bedroom. Recognize your sexual wellness is not just about your sexual activity, but it's so much more. It's about how much joy you find in life. It's about being spontaneous with life. It's about connecting with someone else and loving them. And I think if we start to see the full picture for both men and women, and for the reason I'm doing this whole sex talk is to show sexual wellness is not just an act of sex. It's connection with other people and the world around you. And in that, it's producing your confidence and producing happiness in the face of adversity. It's producing happiness no matter what life throws your way because you're confident and you feel good. And that's the point of sexual wellness is to recognize your libido is more than just having more sex. But in the process of having sex, it's building confidence. And in the process of building confidence, it's helping you show up in life. It's helping you to find motivation and drive. And it's all of that coming together, which really starts from how do you boost energy? How do you get your body the energy that it needs? And if you can start to do that, you'll see your entire body rebalance and regulate itself And you'll get back into a healthy flow where you can connect, where you desire physical intimacy with a person, not a screen or not an image on a screen, and where you'll also desire to do your work and also desire to live life more fully. That's really what it means to have healthy sexual wellness. And I mean, I gave you some pretty big tips on here, maybe a little alarming, again, It might feel weird coming from a female, but I've done a lot of research in this area, and we're going to have some males that are going to come on the show to talk more specifically about that. But if you can take anything away from today's show, it's to remember that your sexual wellness is not just about your libido, but your libido is about your energy, and the active sexual wellness is about regulating your nervous system. And that comes from deep connections and showing up in the world around you. Men are moving in the wrong direction. And I fear that this is causing a lot of harm, especially in young males. It's showing in the world today. We have a ton of mental health problems that's linked to this decline in sexual wellness. We really need to make it a priority to be the example, not just for you, but to other men around you. And if you have children or going to have children, to them as well. It influences the whole of society, and this matters. So I hope you can take a few tips from today's podcast, limit the amount of alcohol you're drinking and caffeine, boost some of those healthy, nourishing foods, move your body, connect with other people, remember intimacy outside of the bedroom, connect, find a passion in life, and even semen retention. Yes, limiting the amount of time you ejaculate every week will make a difference. Okay, that wraps up our discussion of men's health. Now, I do want to clarify that we have more podcast guests, including males, that are going to come on and talk more in depth about this subject. In fact, maybe not quite as in depth on some subjects, but more in depth on other subjects. So you're going to want to stay tuned as we have more to come on testosterone, testosterone replacement therapy, estrogen, ejaculatory health, and so much more. And I really did think it was important that you hear this from a man. So there are multiple men coming on later that you're going to want to stay tuned for. Now, in the meantime, to help you out, make sure you head on over to thelivingwell.com and grab that free sexual wellness download. It is going to give you some tips and tricks on how to boost your sexual wellness as men. And there's a section also for women. 
So again, you can find that at thelivingwell.com. And then don't forget to stay tuned because there are more great podcasts coming your way, including next week with a guest talking about how to have great sex. I mean, who doesn't want that information, right? Also, don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you stay up to date on the latest podcast releases. And also it helps to share this podcast with other people who maybe wouldn't find it or hear about it. But if you'd like to take that another step, make sure you just share it with your friends and family. It really does mean the world to me. Okay, I will see you back here next week, but don't forget to head to thelivingwell.com and grab that free sexual wellness guide just for you.